0: I had to go shopping for a new electric toothbrush because my old one died because uh, the charger doesn't work in Australia where I am because it's a British one. And the only electric toothbrushes that they had that were portable, that you didn't have to plug in, were children's ones. And I had a choice of Spider-Man or Barbie. And I chose Barbie because she's got her own dream house. What's Spider-Man got? A web, I don't want that. I don't don't think boys things are always better. I hate the way it's sort of like, oh, she chose the boys thing, so it's good. Femme things are also good. Barbie's got some great outfits. (laughs) Outfits are good. Nothing wrong with outfits.
4: All right. I'm trying to think of which one I would have chosen. Oh, okay. And I just think I probably would have gone for Spider-Man. I feel like he'd get all over my teeth a bit better. (laughs) I feel like Barbie would be a bit prissy. She'd do the front and be like, I'm
0: tired. (laughs) Do you know what? I hadn't thought about it that functionally. It was more like decoratively that I was thinking about it. But in retrospect, I've made a terrible error.
4: I'm a feminist, but I reckon most of my career opportunities have been because you wouldn't know to look at me. I shouldn't have started on that one. (laughs) I don't, I genuinely don't know what you mean. What? Don't you know what I mean? No. Well, because I'll obligingly put the high heels on and I look like, um, I'm just, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, I look like a, I look like a, I couldn't be more bland. That's, no, no. They won't have that. They'll rush the stage to hug you. No, but come on. No, I'm not asking for pity. I'm just like reflecting on the fact that um I get a, a, uh, let's just do a different one. Um, <laughs> all right. Mm. We love you. All right <laughs> We've still got another hour together. I'm a feminist, but I'm way too proud when my husband asks me to parallel park the car for him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a feminist, but tonight, because I'm on tour and I landed in Brisbane and I felt, you know, I needed a bit of something. You know, I didn't feel like... I felt I looked a bit tired and I thought, I need a bit of something. So I went to the culturally insensitively named Mecca Makeup... And paid a lady there to glue eyelashes to my eyes (laughs) in excess of my own. Mecca makeup, just to be clear, that's not okay, is it? That's taking the name of the sacred place. At the counter, it says Mecca Pops, Mecca this, Mecca that. I'm just like, I don't think they should. To be fair, in Britain, we have Mecca Bingo. That's even worse. (laughs) That's definitely haram. That might be worse. That is, oh, it's definitely worse. It's um,
4: um, a real coincidence, though, because I was at Mecca today getting some bronzer. Were you? Yeah.
0: Well, I only knew to go there because I went and had my nails done and my manicurist told me. <laughs> she said, oh, it's around the corner. Because I said, if I just wanted to get some eyelashes done, just to give me a bit of more of a... <coughs> has it worked? Yeah. Great.
4: <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm a feminist, but nothing I've ever worn to a costume party has been...
0: <laughs> what has it been?
4: <laughs> you know, it's just fun. Just something fun. It's just something a little bit flirty. Just makes me look really hot. I understand. Yeah. No, it's more like nineteen seventies hot pants, uh, medieval wench. Like I go era. I don't. I don't go. I don't go occupation. I go era. But it's always like a little bit titty. Mm. <laughs> I can see that. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I I think I do that too, in truth.
0: I think I do. I don't... I have no great interest in making myself... You know when people go all out to sort of do fake blood and stuff? I'm like, no. I'm the same. I'll do... Yeah. Cleavage wench. I'm a feminist. But when I was in the culturally insensitively titled Mecca Makeup, my card was declined when I was paying for my eyelashes. So I had to call my husband and in London and wake him up to get him to shift some money around to get some money onto this debit account because I don't do any of the internet banking and have no interest in it. We We talked about this Deborah. We did, we did at the last show you did and I've just realised that now and that's awkward but I had to call him because I couldn't walk out of the shop and say don't worry then because the eyelashes were attached to my face. So they've put them on and then you pay for them. And I thought, if he doesn't wake up or he doesn't answer his phone, she's going to have to literally rip these
4: off my face to get her money back. You're very ethical. I reckon about 20% of the audience is, I don't know how to get free eyelashes now. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... I was relieved to find out my second baby was another girl, so I didn't have to follow through on my promise of dressing a boy in the exact same clothes his big sister wore. <laughs> oh, I will. Don't you worry. I've put them all in a suitcase. Boys, girls, they can all wear this. Oh, thank God it's a girl.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, Can I do one more? Oh, yeah, please. Really? Yeah, go for I it. Just, we I don't know how about gu- one. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> I'm a feminist, but when none of my feminist friends are around, I use my girl voice to get what I want.
5: <gasps> what? Um,
4: I'm not getting much air conditioning back here. Or like, oh, is this seat taken? Or can you take the recycling bin out, babe?
0: Why are you applauding that? That is nothing to
3: be encouraged reliant on it at times. So
4: How does that affect your day-to-day life? Does that curtail what you actually do on the weekends, does it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've got a plan ahead I think I'm of having a bag with me um, with a whole creams, extra socks, and WD forty for when my leg locks up. <laughs> I've duct taped my leg together before when it's what? broken. Um, just walking around. You for you. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, you can't be too agile on a prosthetic; it will break. <laughs> um, but you just got to be creative. With my guest
0: co-host Claire Hooper. <clears throat> Claire, have you had a guilty week or a feminist week this week?
4: I've had a guilty week. And a feminist week. Excellent. But Why I don't. Guilty? But I don't think um, uh, I wasn't guilty because I wasn't being feminist enough. I was guilty about other things. So let's just say over, <laughs> overall feminist.
0: Excellent. You've done the point scoring.
4: What happened to your points today when you missed the flight because you'd bought too many clothes and they didn't fit okay, in the bag? Okay. So <laughs> is that going to get cut out? Is that, that's not exactly what happened. Is that is that what Jeff, our producer, told you? Well that was the blurb on the back of the book, but it was quite a long book. So <laughs> why did we you... miss the flight well when we say we missed the flight,
0: that's not strictly it's true. Not... Our suitcases were going to mix. That's and miss right. We could have got on the flight, but you not have... but not with by, by, by our luggage I mean my luggage, because Jeff was taking one of my suitcases and I was taking the other one of my suitcases. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we consolidated it into one easy suitcase in the end. And we only waited at the airport for two hours. So it was actually,
4: oh. all in all, a
0: delightful time.
4: It was a delight for me because it meant I had a row of three all to myself. <laughs> Sorry, am I not meant to see the silver lining of Deborah <laughs> paying hundreds of dollars for a new flight?
0: No, it was actually a calm flight missing. Do you know what I mean? You know oh, you, can have a, you can have an erratic, panicked... Mm. But I think we both just decided... Let's be chill about it, because we're not going to be any more on the flight if we're shouting and crying Uh, than if we're sitting in the Qantas lounge, which I talked our way into. There was no need for us to be Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I talked our way into the Qantas lounge, because it was a couple of hours, you know. And, uh, yeah, a glass of white wine in the Qantas lounge will undo a lot of damage.
4: See, I think of myself as a calm flight misser, but the last time I missed a flight... I behaved very badly but like <laughs> I'm really nice to people but I still created this real scene because I ran really I was at the wrong gate and the, and the <laughs> flight thing said delayed and I was like well I'll just stand here for ages then and then at the last minute I was like that's going to Sydney and I'm going to Brisbane right this is not <laughs> not today by the way and so I ran so fast up to the Brisbane gate and I was all sweaty and dishevelled and I just couldn't because I was really puffed I couldn't I couldn't moderate my volume, and so I was like... Can I get on the flight? Right? And I could just... I kind of was too panicked <laughs> to worry, but I could sense everybody in the entire airport looking at me, and then, I, and then they were like, no, we've sent the um, whatever the thing's called down there, and I'm like, but I've got to be there! Like, I just... I wasn't trying to stress her out, but I just couldn't do quiet I, voice. I,
0: I came very close to a fist fight once in Amsterdam. Oh. It was, she was just so rude and I was just so unreasonable.
4: They could unreasonable. act like they <laughs> It was a
0: combination of extreme rudeness and extreme unreasonableness. I will take 50% of the blame. And we both knew that we had been unpleasant because later on, <laughs> later on, she was the person getting us onto the flight. Oh, good. And I was like, oh shit, it's her again. But I felt a bit embarrassed and so did she. And we looked at each other and winked at each other at exactly the same time. <laughs> acknowledging like, yeah. Oh, that's... Okay, yeah, okay. We gave each other a little eye high five. That's lovely. Do you feel agile? Do you able to turn on a dime? Good three-point turn. In terms of feminism, sorry, I'm not asking about your parking skills.
4: Yes, uh, I'm very good at changing direction suddenly, but it's um, not the direction I mean to go. What will happen is I'll, I'll lean into a corner too hard and fall over. But is this, I mean, is this a, a com- metaphor
0: for feminism or is this an actual walking story? No, I
4: meant actual walking. Actual I mean. walking. <laughs> I uh, I sprained my ankle a lot. I've um, I've fallen over twice on stage, and well, I do stand up.
0: That is the main qualification for stand up is you can stand up. Yes. I think that's it's not actually because many people do it sitting down, and there are people who Absolutely. are in wheelchairs who do stand up. So that was clearly a joke that will be cut out of the show. Um, <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, the magnificent Claire Hooper!
4: (laughs) Agility is the ability to change position quickly and easily. So let's use it in a sentence. The modern intersectional feminist requires agility. (laughs) (laughs) So I recently found out that I was saying a word on stage that we shouldn't say anymore. In fact, I said it at least three times loudly last time I was on this podcast and I feel like a real idiot, and the word is idiot. I was on a cruise and a fellow performer explained this to me and I'll tell you what, that's not where you expect enlightenment to come. (laughs) I was on a cruise because they require entertainers uh, for those of people listening in other parts of the world. The thing you might not know about Australia is we're a long way from anywhere you'd want to (laughs) go. So when you go on a cruise, basically you tend to go for two days in the direction of somewhere you might want to go, <laughs> and then you turn around and you're like, that looks like it might have been nice, home we go. <laughs> and so I occasionally go on a cruise ship and on the second night they push me on stage and I'm like, look over here! So nobody notices we're doing a giant U-turn in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> So I was on this cruise, this is this very weekend. Shout out to Kirstie Wiebeck, fellow comedian, who explained, and I'm very grateful to her, and she was very patient with me, because I had trouble understanding at first. But, here we go, using idiot as an insult is not okay, because it implies that a person of low intelligence is worthy of mockery, it is hurtful to those with cognitive impairment, Down syndrome, and other developmental disabilities. Idiot is an ablest slur. So I'm an asshole. <laughs> but I'm an old asshole. And what you need to know is the older you get, the longer you've been doing things wrong. So the harder your brain resists the new information. I get it now. So I was on the cruise. That wasn't the only interesting thing that happened, by the way. Second afternoon, the captain came on the loudspeaker and said, ladies and gentlemen, just letting you know why the pool on deck 14 has been covered. <laughs> One of your fellow guests left something in it that they shouldn't have. How good is that? That was a very exciting moment for me. Because, well, that's the person with the highest rank on the vessel. And they've made him. Do the poo announcement. Like, you know he would have pushed back. Like, I don't want to tell him about the floater. Get get the head steward to do it, right? And made him do it. And you know he's annoyed because he's gone all year night teacher about it. One of your fellow guests. Half expected him to be, and no one is getting off this ship until somebody owns up. Anyway, poo in a pool. I'm not afraid. <laughs> they're good odds. <laughs> Poo in a bath, they're bad
5: odds. <laughs>
4: Here's a little tip from a parent. Never take a bubble bath with a two year old. Cause you don't know when a third body has entered the water. My daughter did it to me recently. Um, You know what? I don't know when it happened either because I had my eyes on her face the whole time and there was no (laughs) momentary change of expression. There was no sign of strain, just just a happy little face. Just that moment where the bubbles start to disperse and you're like, what is that and how long have we been in here together? (laughs) I'll tell you what, I normally get out of a bath quite carefully but not on this occasion. I mean, talk about agility, right? (laughs) Talk about the ability to change quickly. I was in the bath and then I was not in the bath. (laughs) Like that. I am less preoccupied with my physical agility and more preoccupied with my mental agility. Because really, I mean, idiot's just the tip of the iceberg for me. How am I going to know when I am too old to know what I'm allowed to say anymore. How will I know when to stop talking into microphones? I mean, honestly, I'm only 42. I know, personal best. I only managed 41 last year, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I'm already feeling myself slipping. Like, my new favourite pastime is wandering around the house trying to work out what I've forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) Although I have a theory, actually, that these other times where my husband is telepathically willing me to give him a spontaneous blowjob and it's just like bouncing off my skull because my brain refuses to accept the transmission. What have I forgotten to do? Was I meant to buy cucumbers at this shop? I don't know. Mental agility is what allows you to adapt and change, to make new connections, and to embrace complexity. Mental agility is what stops you from saying things like, you can't say anything anymore.
5: <laughs> or,
4: or long time listener, first time caller. Or, <laughs> um, "Or they do smell different though, don't they? <laughs> Mental agility, in short, is what stops us from turning into an asshole. <laughs> so, for those interested in maintaining their own mental agility as they get older, for people especially my age and older, here are four simple tips. Number one, keep learning. You would know this, but in order to maintain mental agility, you learn a language, you learn a new dance, you learn a new craft, you Maybe you could just try learning what words you're not meant to say now. <laughs> I do feel worried about recommending craft for older people, though, because I just... I mean, our, our landfill is getting ridiculously full. Of my, my mother-in-law... When I first met her ten years ago, I told her how much I enjoyed receiving homemade gifts. Um, I, I actually don't remember saying it, but I must have, because they have absolutely flooded in... <laughs> There should be a sign above Spotlight that says, Welcome to Spotlight, nobody wants what you're about to make. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, change your routine. So find the things that you do daily and do them differently. Take a different route to work, go to a different park to walk your dog, go to a grocery store you don't usually go to. Because, you know, if you don't look after your mind, soon the same grocery store will feel like a different grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, exercise. So they've shown 40-minute walk three times a week makes a dramatic improvement in brain health. Okay, so exercise. basically get blood pumping, whatever that takes. I mean, if you don't like walks, think of something different. <laughs> I know my husband's trying to make me think of under different. <laughs> and finally, get some sleep. We're all sleeping too little, apparently. Our average is seven and a half hours. Apparently we're meant to be getting eight and a half. Good luck, I've got kids, whatever. Move on, all right. <laughs> I hope I still have the mental agility that my father has when I'm his age. He is 73, he's recently retired. I mean, he's an old asshole and he still says the wrong thing but he's pretty impressive and he has retired and instinctively started doing all of those things. He cycles, he travels, (laughs) he takes a lot of naps. (laughs) He's taken up a lot of new hobbies and his favourite seems to be leaving the room in the middle of the conversation. (laughs) He he is very good at it and I cannot wait until I'm old enough to try it. It looks great. (laughs) He lives in Perth and he visited me recently and um, he packed his best thongs. <laughs> That's a thing. What do, what do we call thongs in England? Flip-flops? He flip-flops. Packed, he packed his best flip-flops. And, um, and uh, my husband noticed them and we're all sitting in the lounge room. My husband points them out and goes, what's with the flip-flops, Alec? That's my dad's name. And my dad's face lit up because finally the conversation had turned in a direction he was interested in. And he began by saying, well, I've always found flip-flops a bit tight. I mean, what a hero to take the world's most relaxed footwear and claim that it's too restrictive. And then he said... So I buy mine three sizes too big and I cut them down to size with secateurs. (laughs) That is the sort of idea that requires a full 73 years to percolate, isn't it? A 35-year-old is not coming up with an idea that good. No, they're just walking around with their thongs too tight going, well, there's nothing I could do about this. (laughs) 35-year-olds aren't wearing thongs. They still care that other people find them attractive. Um, <laughs> but like, I just... That is, a, that is a gross mindset. Man, isn't... That's not a fixed... People with a fixed mindset would do the first thong and look at it and go, that's not how thongs are meant to look. <laughs> not my dad. I, I do. I hope I have his mental agility at his age. I'm not worried about growing old. We, um... We have, we, have, um, we have a house that's already kitted out. Like, we live in a house that was um, we, it was owned by old people and um, it has a shower with a built-in seat. We've already got that already. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what age you are, if you have a shower with a built-in seat, you will never stand up to shower again. <laughs> <laughs> it's that comfortable. Oh, and lovers. Let me tell you, there is nothing like the sight of your Valentine sitting down (laughs) on an old person's shower seat. Because nothing does my husband's body more favors than being pressed against wet, white plastic. Oh, get to the bedroom, baby. Hurry before you lose the imprint on the back of your upper thigh. Oh, no wonder we've had children. I'm not afraid of ageing and I'm not afraid of death. Because I've already planned out my funeral. I just want you to know I'm going to have an open casket funeral. But I'm going to be face down in the coffin. (laughs) Just for something fresh. We've all been to those face up ones. Let's do something differently, right? feel like it'd be a nice pick-me-up for all my sad family and friends as they file (laughs) past the coffin. Husband's up in the back corner crying. She always loved
5: sleeping on her stomach and
4: And there's a little sign in front of the coffin. (laughs) Behold the old asshole. (laughs) Thank you very much.
6: Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. just firstly saying so sorry to Boston. Uh, it was a visa hold up that meant I wasn't able to join you when the show was cancelled. I am going to come back as soon as I humanly can uh, to do a show for all the Guilty Feminists in Boston. Uh, thank you so much to New York. Two amazing nights in New York at the Gramercy Theatre. And we are now continuing the tour to Philadelphia, uh, to Chicago, Toronto, Vancouver, Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. So please, please, please tell all your friends to come because the more people who come to this tour, the more likely we'll have another one very soon. We are visiting Australia in February. Uh, We're going to Sydney, Melbourne, various shows in Melbourne, the Gold Coast, Brisbane, and also New Zealand, Auckland, Christchurch, and Wellington. Get tickets now for that. All the dates and everything are on the Guilty Feminist website, guiltyfeminist.com. But also we just want to send our huge, huge, huge love to everyone in Australia experiencing these horrendous bushfires. Could you please give something to the Bushfire Relief? If you Google, there are various different ways of giving. If we all chip in, it's going to make a really, really big difference. Also, Grace Petrie is supporting us on the Australian New Zealand tour. So that's something very exciting to look forward to. And she's going to be doing her own touring show after that. Uh, so check that out on her website, gracepetrie.com. And also if you're in Auckland, you can have a double dose of Carl Wilson because she's co-hosting The Guilty Feminist. But she'll also be doing her own solo stand-up show, Gifted Under Achiever, at Q Theatre on Saturday, the 22nd of February. Tickets for that are available at qtheatre.co.nz. My book, The Guilty Feminist, has just gone on sale in America. Very, very exciting. It's got a snazzy new cover and it has interviews with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Golden Globe winner, and Hannah Gadsby. If you would like me to sign it and you're coming along to one of the tour shows in America, please bring it along and I will sign it at the end of the show. Hope to see you there very soon. If you're in the UK and you're thinking, gosh, you seem to be touring a lot internationally, we will be touring around the UK in May, many, many different cities, hopefully one close to you. Go to guiltyfeminist.com and you will be able to see where we're coming and when. Get tickets soon because I think this tour is going to sell out in a massive way. Also, in March, uh, we are headlining the Women of the World Festival for International Women's Day in London. That's going to be a really big show with a spectacular guest, so book now and now back to the podcast
0: our guest tonight is a paralympic swimmer and silver medalist in the actual olympics A joint winner of RMIT University's Athlete of the Year Award in 2016 and winner of the Victorian Swimming President's Award for 2015-2016, please welcome to the stage the wonderful Monique Murphy! (laughs) I might have stood on her only foot. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 I <laughs> massive apologies. You do have
3: to be careful. I've only got one left Yeah, now, no, so. I do see that.
0: I do see that. In my excitement to greet you, Monique, I've stood on your foot.
3: Just go for the other one the next, the next yeah,
0: time. Yeah, no, sure, sure. I see that would have been better in hindsight. In <laughs> retrospect. So, Monique, do you have an I'm a feminist butt for I us?
3: Do. I'm a feminist. But five years ago, when I was faced with the decision whether to amputate my leg at the heel or below the knee, I was more worried about the fact that the doctors had stitched up my chest and raised one breast higher than the other and (laughs) left a number of skin folds from the stitches that made me look like I had about six nipples. (laughs) And I was worried about what that would do to my dating life.
0: Yeah, (laughs) rightly so. Understandably. Um,
3: They're gone now, by the way.
0: Are you on Tinder?
3: I was. Oh, but a successful swipe right is sitting in the audience. Oh,
0: isn't 21st century love romantic? <laughs> a swipe right in the audience. <laughs> Give us a cheer if you are a swipe right. Anybody swipe right? Give us a cheer if you are Monique's swipe right.
5: <laughs> you are. There you are.
0: Look him. Look at you. Just swiping right in the air. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, that's left, sir. Yeah. No, oh, this is a terrible way to find out you're single, Monique. Um, She swiped left from the audience. Um, So could you tell us a little bit about your story?
3: I grew up in Canberra. It was incredibly cold down there. And I grew up a very passionate, able-bodied swimmer. I loved smelling like chlorine. I loved having big, giant shoulders and being late to school, drinking my yoghurt in the corridors on the way to class, never wearing any makeup. I then gave up swimming... Um, At the end of year 12, I decided that I hadn't reached my goals and that I wasn't going to. I sort of stopped believing in myself. And I moved down to Melbourne to study uh, furniture design. After a year of that, I then transferred into a bachelor of social work. And three weeks into that degree... (laughs) Yes, go the social workers. (laughs) Um, Three weeks into that degree, I fell from a fifth floor balcony. I landed on a glass roof. I... I woke up a week later from a coma and I'd had my right foot amputated at the heel. Wow. After that um, I then had the decision whether to leave it at that amputation or go to below the knee which is what I did decide on. That gave me a lot greater mobility and all up I had about eight operations. I'd cut my neck open which was the most severe and um, all through my chest as well. I had Numerous broken bones. Um, I think I had a brace on both legs both arms Couldn't move couldn't feed myself. I was in hospital for six weeks and then I moved on to the rehabilitation center for another six weeks and that's where I got my first prosthetic and on that day, I was also back in the hydrotherapy pool and In short, I never really got out Wow
0: So what made you go back to swimming after you've had this presumably hugely
3: traumatic time? Um, initially, I couldn't think of anything worse than going back to swimming, even with all that trauma. The idea of going back to um, training and to swimming was something I was not interested in at all. I had a lot of people telling me, um, you know, oh, you'll be a Paralympian now and you'll do this and you'll do that. And I thought, mm, no, just because I now have... A disability doesn't mean I'm going to be a Paralympian. It doesn't mean that road is any easier or no. Um, well, if anything appealing.
0: it's an excuse to get out of the early mornings. Exactly. Well, that's what I that's, that's what I right, said.
3: I yeah, my, my brother had brought it up. He said, "Oh, you could go back into swimming." And I said, there's no way in hell I'm going back to getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I need right. my sleep. And sure. He pointed out I'd been asleep for a week straight, so I would probably caught up. <laughs>
0: he was like, what, you've been in the coma for a week? Get out of bed, you lazy cat. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice. That's when you need a brother. <laughs> brother's are great In you. his
3: defence, um, I'd slept through his birthday, so he What's, was waiting for me to go get him a present. a selfish bitch. <laughs> Sister of the year, that oh, year.
0: Upstaged his birthday dramatically.
3: <laughs> Throughout the rehab the idea of swimming kept popping up. I had a visit from an amputee through Limbs for Life and he's um, actually just been on the golf circuit as a part of their adaptive golf program at the I don't know the golf programme that's just been on, but the big international golf one. Um, can somebody
0: Google it and then we can edit it in. Isn't it Aeroplane mode, airplane. sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> we will allow
3: I
5: They're...
0: wanna I
3: wanna say the Australian Open but we've just had the tennis. So okay, I'm not sure so I'm someone's
4: there
5: what's, isn't
4: open, isn't there a golf, golf open? Person?
3: Pardon? Oh, I oh. thought there was a golf open. Yeah, so the golf open. We don't um. know. <laughs> we don't know.
0: <laughs> Something to do with golf, we don't know about yeah, this. So We're golfer, talking about So a golf
3: amputee, um, who's a golfer, came to visit me named Mike Rolls and he told me about how he, how he went scuba diving with two prosthetic fins and he said that perhaps I could get a mermaid leg made for me. And I would just lit up because I was like, oh, my God, Mom, I'm going to be a mermaid. Like, this, <laughs> this is why I was a swimmer because I was hoping one day I would wake up with a mermaid tail. So, those sort of little ideas just sort of pop back in every now and then. My dad went and saw the rehab facility that I was going to be going to. And one of the sales pitches that he had for me was there's a pool because he knew how much there's just that little voice in the back of my head, how much that would latch on to there being a pool. And... I wasn't overly motivated to do a lot of exercise out of the water. Uh, When I got my first prosthetic, it was clunky, it was Mm. about the size of my face, and it brought a whole new meaning to the word cankles. It was (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Um, But being in the water just made me feel free. And I had so much more movement that first day that I had to be lowered in by one of those. uh, waterproof like wheelchairs and they put me in all these floaties and I just wanted to scream cause I thought I can swim get me out of this but I had so much more movement in the water and I thought I'm going to be okay I'm going to be able to get my life back on track and it just put a smile on my face and I think that was my challenge was that through all of this trauma there was still something that was going to make me smile mm. and then I owed it to myself to do that every day I think that's what we've we've all got to do is find that thing that makes us smile and give ourselves time every day to do that.
0: Find the passion. The if you've passion, had a trauma, yeah. find one thing you love and then absolutely go for that exactly. thing. Exactly,
3: but don't make it swimming because we don't get up at 5 anymore. We get up at 4.30, so well, it's even now, worse. <laughs> okay. sure.
4: This is the question I've always wanted to ask a swimmer. Why not just get up at 9 and do your swimming then? Because
3: that's when school starts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to school, babe. You're fine. But all the swimmers get really, really good when they're about like between like 15 and 20. Suddenly all these kids are breaking world records and they're at school, so you've got to get up really early and you also need time to go back home, have another nap, fit in about 10 meals and then go back in the afternoon and right. swim again. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I think, given that Monique's won a silver medal in the Olympics, she's probably, whatever she is doing, Claire, is
4: don't, working. Don't
0: question her process. I'm just <laughs> questioning whether or not she would have got that silver if she'd said, oh, mid-morning.
4: I'm questioning, <laughs> I'm questioning whether Australia would have more champions if we let people do their swimming at a decent hour. Well,
3: look, also, look, we've got Tokyo in two years, the next Paralympic Games, so maybe if I start training at midday now, I'll be able to go... silver to gold. Maybe that's the missing mm, link.
4: mm, Absolutely. (laughs) I don't think my coach will agree, but (laughs) I'll have a word. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) In terms of feminism, how do you feel in a way the accident and also this striving to come back uh, from the accident affected your feminism? Do you think that you were as feminist before? Or is that something that has empowered and emboldened your feminism?
3: It's definitely something that I didn't really associate with before the accident. And since, I think it's probably only been the last sort of few years that I've really engaged in feminism and I've started to be able to understand how so many aspects of my life have connected into that and how Mm -hmm. they've gotten stronger and I can identify them now. So after the accident, I didn't know anyone with a prosthetic leg. I'd never seen one before. Uh, People with disabilities weren't visible they weren't visible to me mm. and you know this is someone who borderline stalked a number of olympic swimmers on the swim team because they were very good looking during my teenage years <laughs> it's like <laughs> and you've got
0: so many i'm a feminist but i really
3: do <laughs> <could>. <laughs> <laughs>
5: um,
3: but i'd never seen a paralympics and i'd never seen paris swimmers compete ever and they just weren't visible they weren't shown they weren't celebrated they weren't highlighted um, we have swimmers on the team who have won like six gold medals in like one games mm. and we don't have able athletes who have reached that number and we don't know who the Paras are so I really had no idea what life was going to be like after the accident and I just wanted to get back to normal I felt like because I changed degrees and I'd had a gap year I really needed to get on with university I needed to get a job and you know get married have kids settle down do all those <laughs> follow the plan do all those things and part of wanting to be normal again was I wanted my leg to look normal so I had them make a cover for it, and the initial covers for a prosthetic leg, what they do is they wrap the cast in foam, and they sort of mold out an ankle, which looks a lot like your thigh, and, <laughs> and then they cover the whole thing in a pantyhose. so <laughs> it looks like a really bad tan job. And <laughs> if you get like a ladder in it, it's just game over. And then you've got to wear this giant sleeve over your knee to sort of hold the whole thing onto your body. So it just does not work. And it is so obvious that something bizarre is going on. So it looks as far from normal as you can. They were very nice and they offered a silicon liner that you can put over the leg. And you can even have hairs, like, sewn into your prosthetic. And I thought, no, thanks. I'm going to enjoy only shaving one leg. (laughs) Mm.
0: I'm a feminist, (laughs) Bart. I mean, that is literally the fourth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, I had a lot of time in hospital to think these things. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Got to weigh up the pros and cons. But when I started really swimming again, uh, I'd moved um, in with my friends. This is about five months after the accident. I was getting back to living a more independent life. And I realised that swimming was becoming a part of my day-to-day. I joined a swim club and there were a couple of other amputees there. And I realised that in the water, I don't wear a prosthetic. So I'm not fooling anyone. I've clearly got one leg. And then when I get out of the water, I'm trying to put on this big, ugly, huge, heavy thing to try and make myself look normal. And it just wasn't working. And I think looking back, my idea of normal was something that you know, society had imprinted on me mm. growing up as a young girl. So things that we see in movies and in magazines and what women should look like, and that's what I wanted to be. And I needed to really embrace what was different about me and sort of lean into that. And swimming really helped me sort of value myself again and take ownership of who I was and what I was and just embrace the difference because that was what was gonna make my life amazing, leaning forward. So I ended up getting rid of the foam cover and I have just what I'm wearing now.
0: Can I just say, what you're wearing now is so phenomenal. Can you just show the audience? (laughs) Um, I've bedazzled my leg. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to the podcast and you can't see it, uh, Monique's leg says guilty feminist and uh, the G and the F are in uh, sequin sparkles and it (laughs) looks absolutely incredible. And this is made of blackboard material?
3: Yeah, so I paint the outside of the prosthetic with a blackboard spray paint and then I've got a collection of chalk pens. And so you
0: can write on whatever you're feeling that day? Yeah, pretty much. And that seems to me to make your leg like a superpower, like it exactly, gives you yeah. extra, yes. rather than trying to make it look like some kind of ideal of oh, hide everything, make everything look like normal in inverted commas. Yeah, exactly. This is such brilliant representation for young women and young men who may be feeling uncomfortable about wearing a prosthetic. You know, if I had to wear a prosthetic and I was a child, I would see you and think, yeah, I want to get blackboard paint and I want to make sparkles. And
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and what does it mean to you when you see people with prosthetics on the catwalk, for example, in fashion shoots and other athletes and other people in the public eye?
3: I think it's really empowering to see other people out there because initially not knowing what my life was going to be like, I just felt very alone. And that's one of the great things about social media is being able to connect with so many more people out there who have been through similar things. And that's exactly what I was able to do after the accident. And I think a lot of people that I did see were men Mm. and whether that's because men are more likely to engage in risky behaviour and do mm. things to end up with some crazy accidents, but... I have skied with men, it is true.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, men are like, oh, oh, well, he's doing the black diamond, I'm doing the black diamond. Like, but, yes, but he's been skiing since he was four, and you, you started on Wednesday, so maybe no. <laughs> like, no, he's doing the black diamond, I'm doing the blue diamond. Oh, my God. Sorry, I'm aware I've been holding your leg for a long time now. I feel I need to return it. We've only just I'm met. I'm so impressed you can, do, you can do heels like this because I sometimes think... Well,
3: I'm, know, I'm a feminist, but I did save up a lot of money to buy a separate leg that would allow me to wear heels. Because <laughs> I didn't want to give that up.
4: I was just going to ask you how many different ones you've got. Like, do you have a whole, like, a gun rack of legs?
5: Um, I,
3: if Just, I had the money. If I had the money. Um, well, I feel like
4: we should do a GoFundMe for yes. this, because i <laughs> Well, it would probably raise more this-
3: money than the NDIS is doing right now, so...
4: <laughs> sit, burn, babe!
0: Oh, okay. So just to clarify for our international listeners, what's the NDIS?
4: So the
3: NDIS is the National Disability Insurance Scheme that's just rolled out in Australia. Oh. And they've probably bitten off a lot more than they can chew because mm. the funding is not going well.
0: I'll happily do a GoFundMe Deb, are for... are you
4: trying to put her I, leg back on? I know. I'm just holding it
0: going, I don't know what to do now. Yes. I've got you your were, leg. You please just... take it away. Uh,
3: uh, Look, I, I'll put it on when I stand up, but for now you can use it as like a um, glasses holder. You can put a bottle of wine in there. I've um,
0: got a few uses. 100% loving this. Um, it's so cool. It's really gorgeous. And have you, have, do you bedazzle it often? This is the first time. That I I have bedazzled it. I feel so special you've bedazzled up for the Guilty Feminist for the first time. And listen, I only met you because I happened to see you tweeting about the Guilty Feminist and you said that you were using the Guilty Feminist as a way to, you would drive a lot back from Brisbane to the Gold Coast and back.
3: Yes, well, the um, Gold Coast is where I have my prosthetics appointments. So I have to drive down there and then spend a couple of hours walking back and forth on bars and getting bits of my leg tweaked and it sort of gets built like Lego, really and then got to drive all the way home, so I thought need to use my time constructively. I'm
0: so delighted that you found The Guilty from Day. How long have you been listening?
3: Uh, probably about four months, but I've probably gone through about 70% of the podcast. Oh,
4: you've been doing the binge. <laughs> you've been yeah, doing the binge. Big, big binge. The binge.
0: <laughs> oh, I love the binge. It's so awful when the binge comes to an end and you have to wait for week to week, though. It's yes. terrible, isn't yep. it?
4: <laughs> yes, um, but you do the binge, and then you go to sleep at night hearing, undermine them. Undermine them. <laughs> Just trying
5: to get some
0: sleep. I know, I know, I know, and I am sorry. A man came up to me at a party the other day, and he was going, "I just want to say I love your podcast." And then I'd say, "Oh, thank you very much." And then he was like, "Just your, that voice is <laughs> coming out of a face." And I was like, "Yes, that is how voices work." And he was like, "But it's coming out of your face," and I'm just so used to hearing it, you know, when I'm like lying in bed or whatever. And now I hear you don't are. Don't tell me anymore. I don't yeah. want to hear what you're doing in bed. <laughs> He kept saying, coming out of a face. And I was like, it's just, there's just no other way for it to... Goodness. Unless it's a sort of, I don't know, I, on, it's how my voice certainly works.
1: He um, sounds
4: like a real charmer. <laughs> he, was, he was just excited. He was just excited. You clearly see a lot of kids and kids say rad things about people with prosthetics. What are some of the best things kids have said to you about your leg?
3: It's more entertaining for me how parents react. Really? Yeah, because the kids, kids are curious and I love that, but I was uh, walking down the street in Melbourne with a friend and this little kid in front of me just turns around and was like, Dad, look at her leg! And the dad just freaked out and pulled the kid so hard, pulled the kid into a
5: pole. <laughs> oh! <laughs>
3: I just lost it. I was laughing and my friend's like, Mon, that's really rude. I'm like, no, it's not. That was rude. <laughs> and occasionally, like Christmas time at shopping centres, suddenly kids start walking into walls because they get so sidetracked with my leg and they just don't know where they're going and then bang, they're walking into walls and... <laughs>
0: But the more that they see that represented on television and the more, yes. that, the more that it's out there, like I know Adam Hills sometimes takes his leg off and passes it around the audience. And <laughs> Do I we want to pass it around? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. it looks expensive though. It's got a beautiful shoe on it. Do you want to take a guess? Oh, it's got to be thousands. Yeah. How
3: much? That one's 12 and a half. <laughs> the, uh, the sock that I'm wearing just here, this is $1,000. Oh my God. That's a sock. Yeah. So you think how much you you change your socks, and I think the NDIS will give me two a year.
4: What? Wow. <laughs> Could I knit you one
5: <laughs> for winter? For, please please remember, for winter. Please remember.
0: Please remember that anything you're going to make from Spotlight, she doesn't want. <laughs> How can we as feminists be more supportive to athletes who have a disability? But it feels like saying, it feels wrong
3: when I say athletes have a disability. because para-athletes. Para-athletes, say, para-athletes. So we, say, we say Paralympics yeah. because they run parallel.
0: We watched the Paralympics a lot in 2012 when the Olympics were in London. And the Paralympics were given, so, like in previous years, I didn't remember the Paralympics being such mm. a hugely featured part of the Olympics. But they were so much loved in the UK as much as the
3: Olympics. And the UK do a fantastic job. They release a trailer sort of, every four years before the Games and the last one before Rio was a video called Yes, I Can and it um, stars an Australian singer and it was just absolutely incredible because you actually call them um, the superhumans. I remember the that. Well, that's what it feels get like because watching it, somebody yeah.
0: do something I could literally never do. Yeah, yeah they've got people flying planes with
3: their feet. Yeah. In this video.
0: That's, what, it's, it's, that's what it feels superhuman. It feels yeah. like this, the upper body strength that people are developing. It mm. looks like a superpower. Yeah. And it feels like a superpower. So, it's, what can we do to support more para athletes, especially young girls, because uh, girls are in general less guided into sport by societal structures? What can we do to get more para athletes to support our young women and girls in sport?
3: So I think any time that you go and see a sporting event, so in April we'll have our Australian National Championships and that's also the Para World Trials fast. So it's about just thinking beyond the athletes that are presented to you and questioning where the para athletes are because sometimes they might be just at the end of the program when everyone's gone home or they might be the following week or before, but we have our competitions, we are there um, there's a Wheelchair AFL League now. Wow. Yep.
0: So just ask, tweet, where can we see... And um, encourage, encourage them to realise there's an audience. Yes, and we're not
3: promoted enough on social media. Uh, we actually have the World Para Series is hosting an event in uh, Melbourne this weekend. It is the swimming. I unfortunately can't afford to be down there this week. It's down in Melbourne. Um, it's going to be absolutely incredible. About more than like, 15 countries are going to be there racing. Um, for the power world series and we need attendance. We need people there cheering us on so that our sponsors and Our sporting organizations can realize that people are just as interested in watching us compete and being there for us
0: If anything more interested because I watch that sort of agility and I get excited by as We were talking about that sort of superhuman aspect without in any way, you know <laughs> deifying um, or saying you're such an inspiration. I don't mean it like that, <laughs> but it is very exciting to watch and the literal agility of Swimmers in the Pool. When you say you can't afford to be there, do you mean you couldn't afford to all the training and everything that would lead up to it?
3: Or um, It was just a meet. I couldn't afford to go down to Melbourne for a week and pay for all the accommodation and the fees and everything. Can't we, everything. Just, can't we was... just
0: sponsor that? I don't understand.
3: Yeah, (laughs) you would think so. And you'd hope that, um, you know, our sporting body would pay for us to go. But we were told no. But it's like a weekend in
0: a Melbourne hotel. It's not going to be that expensive. Is it taking time off work, off your day job? Um,
3: For some people it is as well. A lot of um, para-athletes, some are married with kids as well, so time away from family. So we've got to be a little bit more... um, make those tough decisions and decide. Well, if you've
0: got another situation like that we would love to Tokyo 2020 <laughs> yeah well we would we would love T- to help kick Tokyo 2020
4: that. oh yeah Don't, you've got to go yeah Are so you the, you know, to Tokyo the
3: Australian Paralympic Committee um, you'll see them often in the shopping centres selling badges and pins and things and that money really does go to the committee it helps get us over there um, but can we the can teams. the guilty
0: feminist personally get behind you um, sure. Given your <laughs> now, I'll be training at 4.30 <laughs> tomorrow morning. Oh, sure. Right. Claire and I will be yeah. there at 4.30.
4: Yes, we will. Yes. Um, In the pool. 4.30, Tokyo time. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we, yeah, we're not talking money. We're just, if you tell us who came gold, we'll get rid of that bitch for you. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. Do you have a rivalry? Because you're the world
0: number two at the moment yes. and you were the world number one last year. Is that right? Uh, in 2017. Yeah, tw- yeah. that's oh,
3: 2017. Yeah. So who
0: is this other person? Yeah, who is who she? Who we like. Who we like. Hashtag
3: feminism. She's in the sisterhood. Who is she? Um, she's um, a Canadian swimmer. Her name's Aurelie Rivard. And are you friends?
0: I'm just um. writing her name down. I just want
3: to look
5: <laughs> her up.
0: No, I want to support her as well. Come on. Well, I've, I've
3: only been um, around in the international swimming community for four years, which is only four competitions. Right. So, I mean, in the marshalling room, nobody's friends. (laughs) Everyone is very much in their zone.
4: Yeah, that's what it's like backstage with me and Deb.
0: (laughs) 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 Just like you keep to your side of the dressing room, Hooper. That's, yeah. yeah. Good luck out
4: there Yeah, you good luck. You good luck. Good luck.
3: Uh, I I found being a para swimmer compared to being, um, growing up as an able bodied swimmer that especially on our Australian Paralympic team, there's a lot more sort of camaraderie and mateship from what I've experienced because there's just a general excitement and gratitude for being there and mm. just, you know, being there, making the most of what we have and who we are and doing what we love. And I think because we don't have so much media and sponsorships and there's no money in Paris swimming at all, so there's no outside incentives that can really take you away from that true passion. Mm-hmm. So it's a really genuinely fantastic team to be a part of and we call ourselves the mob and we're really just a huge family. So
0: well if we can do anything to support you to help you get
3: to Tokyo. Well, I'll give you, you my block? bank account details. Yeah. <laughs> well seriously,
0: seriously, we'll happily do a Kickstarter
4: or if you've got a have you got a suddenly, Patreon? Suddenly Monique's got ten pairs of socks. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you should. What, That's fair, actually. You, you should know, get 10
0: a off. You're advertising us on the side of your leg. We yes. should be getting yeah, used you some lavatory. Yeah, you should be paying me for that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, but in the meantime, are there any hashtags that you would like us to know about, or is there anything that we can do? to help or sponsor you or plug you in any way or, you know, get you out there. I'm actually running
3: a fundraiser for a little boy who needs a new wheelchair. Of course (laughs) you are, because you are a lovely
0: person. You haven't got the money to go to Melbourne for a week to swim and you are raising money for a little boy in a wheelchair. You are the best person ever. Stop it. Go away.
3: I think in general, we're, we're we're just a big community and we need so much support and encouragement and that goes a lot further and getting behind us as athletes but also not everyone with a disability is an athlete and I think.
4: Yeah, I wanted to ask about, I mean, do, do you have, a, sorry, do, I mean it was an obvious, we were, we were winding up but i just got so much more to ask so <laughs> yeah, aside from being an athlete, do you have um, accessibility issues, like it looks like you can get anywhere an able-bodied person can, is that fair?
3: It depends. I, about four months ago, I had surgery on my leg. So I was using a wheelchair for yep. three weeks, which is nothing um, compared to the lives that well, some people live. But I will have a number of surgeries later on when I finish swimming. So I have a wheelchair that is something that I have to be reliant on at times. So,
4: how does that affect your day to day life? Does that curtail what you actually do on the weekends? Does it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've got to plan ahead, I've got to think ahead. I've usually got to have a bag with me um, with a whole lot of creams, extra socks, some WD-40 for when my leg locks up. Um, <laughs> I've duct taped my leg together before when it's what? broken, um, just walking around. You have a for you. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, you can't be too agile on a prosthetic. It will break. <laughs> um, but you've just got to be creative. So I'm a swimmer. That's what I do. That's what I love. That's what I was made for. You know, I, I stop swimming, but life has a way of putting you where you need to be and... Life took my leg as compensation that time. So (laughs) I think that I love seeing um, people of all different abilities just doing absolutely everything. Swimming, in a way, is so mainstream. I'm like, oh, I wish I could have done something so much different, like academics or music or things. Because, again, the first thing we tend to think of when we think of people with a disability is, oh, Paralympian. And the amount of people who do see me and come up and go, oh, are you a Paralympian? Having no idea who I am. Oh, it's just an assumption. really odd know. for
4: non-Paralympians. A lot of
3: people, they've never heard of me, so... I, I, you know what, though? <laughs>
4: you do look really healthy. Thank you. <laughs> you no, do. I mean, I, you don't look yeah, like someone who's... you look
0: like a swimmer, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think those people are right. But it is, I mean, it is a common... Definitely just don't go up to anybody with prosthetic and say, are you a Paralympian? <laughs> But I can understand why they say that to you. Like, you look like a swimmer. But I
3: think getting a little bit more um, people of all different abilities in all different aspects in all different fields, giving them a bit more light and highlighting them as well would be a huge step forward. Social media is a really easy way to get behind a number of organisations and groups like the Australian Paralympic Committee and all those ones out there, and you can start to see ways to get involved. And there's often so many fundraisers out there to raise money for these groups. and. It's just that support and that word of mouth so that people can start to understand the lives that everyone's living in and we can really normalise disability in society. Wonderful.
0: Do we have a charity of the week, Jeff?
2: Yes. yes. Who's charity of the week? Hi everyone, my name is Elise and I work with Rise Up in Australia. We're an organisation that supports those, primarily women and children, escaping situations of domestic violence. And it's a far too normal a story to hear of women having left these situations with very few items and are oftentimes sleeping on the floor with their children. And so we tackle a critical stage in their journey to safety. So they may be offered housing, but they have nothing for a fresh start. Rise Up will come in and we fit out the home with everything from beds to kitchenware, lounges, bathroom, pantry items. We give not only the bare essentials but a sense of hope. So just over three years old, we recently completed our 600th home. Wow. Thank you. Um, Unfortunately, we're only getting busier. This last month, we've provided homes for 40 families. And so we are in desperate need of help. We are raising money for a warehouse to store the many donations we have coming in from the community at large. Without a base, we're having to turn away wonderful donations because of logistical or time issues. So please go to our website, www.riseup, that's www.riseup.com.au to find out how you can donate or to become a volunteer. It's actually a lot of fun um, transforming a home from completely empty to a haven in less than four hours. Um, <laughs> and... You can also follow us on Facebook. We're constantly putting calls out to help families um, in immediate need. So. And it's Rise Up With A Z. Rise and up, is up With this, a Z. Is this
0: something that's based in, in Brisbane or Queensland? or?
2: We were started on the Gold Coast and now we're all throughout Queensland. We're up in northern Queensland. We're heading down into Sydney, Melbourne, and we're hoping to make it a national organisation. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs>
4: Claire, do you have anything to plug before we do our closing titles? It's another podcast, am I allowed to? Oh, of course. We love a crossover podcast. <gasps> this breaks. is your demographic. <laughs> That's right. They already know. I don't even have to explain how to find it, Mum. Um, <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, now I shall hear that. Uh, and I've got an ABC podcast called The Pineapple Project. And as you know, the yeah. first season... The first season is about money and financial literacy, and the second one sounds just as boring. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not though. It's about work. It's no, it's not at all. Because instead of me telling you what to do, I'm a guinea pig, um, and I am forced to confront things I'm terrible at. Excellent. And it works. Look right at, at, at every, me. Right I'm, I'm a real success story.
0: <laughs> you are. You are. Uh, Monique, do you have a website?
3: Uh, yes, it's Monique Mermaid Murphy, and you can find me on, Insta- on Instagram at mon.murphy, and I also do public speaking, and you can find the links in Ooh, there. Oh,
0: hire her for public speaking and pay her lots of money, and that'll help her go yes, to Tokyo. Yes,
3: it will. <laughs> All
0: right, well, you were brilliant. I'd have you back on any time. Thank you. So how much do you charge for public speaking, can I ask?
3: <laughs> uh, that is still in the works. Okay, not enough is the answer. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I am,
0: she'd be yep. absolutely brilliant and inspiring and wonderful. Inspiring in a good way. That's it's, right. It's if really working... fun
3: to tell my dad that I'm getting paid to speak because the reason they put me into swimming as a kid was so that they could get a couple of hours of me not talking in the day.
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> but truly, if you if you work in events for a large organisation, just find out how much they've got, and that's how much she gets paid. Mm. <laughs>
0: absolutely, and that money will help her go to swimming events and it will and ultimately my and it legs. will get Australia to Tokyo so if you're an Australian organisation please pay her for something brilliant can I just say a big thank you to everyone here at the Powerhouse <laughs> and a huge huge thank you to the exceptional Monique Murphy yeah. wonderful
4: co-pilot for this evening it's Claire Hooper <laughs> and bow down before the majesty of Deborah francis White.
5: <laughs> you have been listening
4: to the guilty
0: feminist with me, Deborah francis White, guest co-host Claire Hooper and our very special guest from the Murphy and the producers of Tom citizens
5: from the Spice Shop and Jeff Brink for Australian Comedy
0: Management Thanks to everyone at the park if you are listening to this at home uh maybe you could go on immediately go to itunes and rate review and subscribe i suspect you would want to give it five stars um if you don't you hate feminism um (laughs) check out instagram and uh it's great we're actually using our instagram now it's really good go on it uh it's uh the guilty feminine
1: hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.